Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums. Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Thank you, me with a slightly weird and different kind of accent for some reason. I don't know. I never know, but I always have fun doing these things. Hey, everybody. Hello. Welcome. Greetings. All of the, all of the salutations, because it is time yet again for Rossafari Zoo News. News of the zoos, aquariums, and conservation efforts around the globe. Told you by me. First of all, I have some uh, exciting podcast-related news. Uh, I want to thank everyone who's been listening. Uh, We hit over 20,000 downloads just last week. Uh, That's amazing. I cannot believe that so many of you have spent so much time listening to my voice and bad jokes. And uh, I guess the guests who, like, you know give good information and stuff too, but I am incredibly appreciative. And um, man, I'm just so proud of how much this podcast has grown so quickly. It took me just under seven months to get my first 10,000 downloads. And uh, now it took under three months to hit 20,000. So uh, wow, just wow. Thank you to everyone who has been sharing and uh, encouraging me and uh, super special thanks to my patrons and donors who have been uh, making a really nice difference. Even the people that like bought stickers and stuff like that. Anyone who's ever left a review or um, a five-star rating, man, just thank you all so much. This has just been so cool and I am so excited to... uh, keep bringing you an awesome product and finding new ways to get the conservation message out there. And if you're interested in being one of those patrons and getting an occasional shout out like that, uh, patreon.com slash Safari is where you can find out how to do that. Don't forget to follow along on Instagram and Facebook at Safari, And of course, there's a TikTok that I barely do anything on, but it exists at Safari Pod. Also, super quick reminder, if you see any zoo conservation or general animal stories that you would like to uh, hear on the podcast or think should be shared with with my audience, send them to me, tag me in them, do whatever. Uh, It's happened every week so far, and I super appreciate it because, frankly, it makes my life a little bit easier and also because this just becomes that much more of a communal thing. I love it. I love the community that Safari has spawned, and... um, I'm incredibly grateful to all of you. Uh, And with that said, I think it is time for a goofy song. Well, and then we can, like, get started for real. One, two, three, four. Ow, there's a funky monkey. Treat kangaroo. Or a binturong. It's zoo news. Yeah. Woo, I like that one, y'all. I had a lot of fun making that one. We're going to let that play for a second. Anyway, our first story this week is from the AZA, who has some pretty exciting news. Last weekend was something called Party for the Planet. 
And this year's theme was Spring Into Action, and boy, did we. It was a good time. I know uh, I spent some time at Elmwood Park Zoo promoting Red Panda Network as well as Ross Safari, and uh, I want to say thank you to Elmwood Park Zoo for having me and setting me up directly across from Slash the Red Panda. It's always good to see my buddy. So what was Party for the Planet exactly? Well, it was the largest combined Earth Day, Endangered Species Day, and World Ocean Day celebration. Various AZA facilities had extra keeper talks, environmental activities, education and conservation presentations, and allowed vendors and uh, weirdos like me to come hang out and uh, share our message with the audience at the zoo. Going beyond these events, the AZA partnered with EarthDay.org to track cleanup efforts across the community. Uh, This is part of the Global Earth Challenge app, which is an app that you can use to uh, contribute scientific data from your local environment as you work to clean up your local area. The AZA also partnered with the National Wildlife Federation to expand native habitats. The NWF's Certified Wildlife Habitat Program helps to create and restore habitat and wildlife populations. Basically, the idea is that you can turn any small space, including your yard or a schoolyard, a landscape at work, a roadside green space, or even just like a little balcony container garden into a Certified Wildlife Habitat, trademarked. Uh, and that those things can have a huge impact on local wildlife. There's a lot of information on how to do this at aza.org, and it's definitely worth looking into. Finally, along with the iNaturalist app, the AZA started the Party for the Planet 2021 BioBlitz. This encourages members to use the iNaturalist app to record scientific observations as citizen scientists as they spend time outside. With over 2,500 observations recorded, this has been an incredibly successful endeavor for the AZA and the iNaturalist app. All in all, the party for the planet was incredibly successful, and I'm looking forward to seeing how the AZA decides to top it in 2022. And now we turn to celebrity news. Or... Uh, at least as much as there is celebrity news in the zoo world, because today we're going to be talking about Fiona the hippo. Fiona made the news this week because it has come to light that her genetics are incredibly valuable in the SSP program. Now, I'm going to assume that uh, you know what the AZA SSP is, and uh, if not, go listen to my Sarah Glass episode, or really almost any other one because it comes up all the time. But it turns out that Fiona's father, who is no longer with us and was named Henry, only has one living offspring. And so the genetics from that line are incredibly valuable. What does that mean? Well, Fiona's currently four years old, and that's a little young for hippo breeding. But a lot of times hippos come fully into sexual maturity around age five or six. In fact, if you've been to the Cincinnati Zoo recently, you may have noticed that Fiona is spending a lot less time with her mother and a lot more time independently. She's growing up, y'all. She's 1,600 pounds now, which is consistent for what her weight should be, despite the fact that she was a preemie. And uh, she's, she's kind of like a preteen girl right now. Her, her attitude is becoming a little less sassy. Still a lot of sass. I mean, Fiona going Fiona. We all know that. But um, she's a little more independent, a little less sassy, and and just kind of growing up. And that means that a breeding wreck could be coming in the next couple of years. 
Now, don't worry too much, y'all. If you're a Fiona fan, the odds are that she's going to live her entire life at the Cincinnati Zoo because she is basically the queen of Cincinnati. And uh, as we've heard many times, SSPs do take something like that into consideration. But do not be surprised if a boyfriend shows up for Fiona in the next couple of years because her genetics need to be passed on. And who exactly will that suitor be? Well, the truth is, we don't know. The SSP will look at the uh, genetics out there and make the best match based on that. Which is kind of sad news for the people in San Antonio who are really hoping that their little hippo, Timothy, gets to go and become the uh, mate for Fiona. If you haven't been following along, Timothy the hippo loves to send tweets and even actual gifts to Fiona. He has a crush on her, or at least uh, that's how the zookeepers and, and PR staff at the San Antonio Zoo are playing it up. But it is important to remember, y'all, that no amount of flirting and sending gifts will override the SSP's need to uh, increase the genetic diversity of the hippo population as much as possible. But, uh, you know, until we find out who the suitor is, Timothy, keep doing your thing, because it is adorable. The Maritime Aquarium in Norwalk, Connecticut, found itself in a difficult situation recently. A very old swivel bridge that's part of the railway that connects Boston and New York uh, has been discovered to need some serious repairs. And the aquarium has many buildings that are actually divided by the railway tracks. The government, uh, in order to take care of this situation, tried to condemn the land with some of the aquarium's buildings on it, including their IMAX theater and their Harbor Seal space, which is this amazing indoor-outdoor exhibit. Or I should say that it was an amazing indoor-outdoor exhibit as it has now been changed. By fighting hard, uh, CEO Jason Patlis and the team at Maritime Aquarium were able to stop the areas from actually being condemned and were able to negotiate with the state and got uh, $40 million dollars out of them. Now, that might sound like a lot of money, but it's not, not at all. Uh, they had to completely remove and rebuild in a different area their theater and also take away the incredible exhibit I mentioned and move it completely indoors in a different part of the aquarium. The aquarium is also going to have to move its iconic entrance, and in total, the changes are expected to cost anywhere between $53 and $58 million. So, while the $40 million was really nice, the aquarium's still going to have to come up with between $13 and $18 million on their own during a pandemic. Still, I'm incredibly impressed by the team at Maritime and the amazingly long negotiations they underwent to get to this result at all, because the condemnation of the buildings would have been a disaster for them. Speaking of disasters, I need to get back to Maritime Aquarium. Quick fun story for y'all. I have been to Maritime Aquarium three times in my life. Every time I have gone with a female friend who has ended up crying. A lot. It hasn't always been my fault. Can't say it's never been my fault. But all three times, there were many, many, many tears shed at this aquarium. It was never the aquarium's fault. I can definitely say that. Um, but just life circumstances happened, I guess. So uh, 
I really want to go back there, but I'm also kind of afraid to go back there. But uh, now I guess I have my reason to go back to see all the new stuff that they are doing and to uh, support them during a troubling time. Man, I hope nobody cries, though. On a much happier note, uh, a tiny mouse deer was recently born at the Bristol Zoo. For those that don't know, mouse deer are ungulates and are not rodents, although they are really, really tiny. This little baby is around 8 inches tall. Mouse deer are not a very common species to successfully breed in captivity, and there also aren't a lot in captivity, so this is pretty exciting for the species. Furthermore, this is just one of those weird moments where a baby animal gets born and becomes famous. The mouse deer has not even been named yet, but has already been featured in People magazine and on the BBC. I guess it's so tiny and cute that especially during a pandemic, people just want to look at it. Because, yeah, you should you should Google mouse deer babies. You will not be disappointed, y'all. Congrats to everyone at the Bristol Zoo for their new tiny little nugget. And now some good news about a sad story. I'm going to have to bring y'all up to date on this one a little bit. Back on February 8th, the Detroit Zoological Society announced the death of a polar bear, Anana, who was 20 years old and was in the SSP breeding program, partnered with a male bear named Nuka. The initial belief by the zoo was that Nuka had killed Anana during a breeding attempt. This is not entirely uncommon with polar bears, and unfortunately, you know, you can't always prevent something like this from happening in a zoo setting. The zoo did announce that they would be doing a full necropsy, but of course, uh, you know, people didn't want to wait around to find out what had happened. The amount of vitriol and uh, just wild rampant speculation that was thrown around in the light of this announcement was uh, really bad. Just, it was horrible, honestly. I don't like to get into arguments with strangers on the internet, but uh, I had to butt my nose into a couple of those conversations and just explain that um, people were just being idiots. Um, I'm going to say it. Idiots when it came to this. I get it. Emotions were running high, and Inanna had lived at a few other zoos before going to Detroit and was very popular at all of them. But, like, this is nature, and things happen, and, as the initial announcement said, there were more findings to come. And we now have those. Turns out that Inanna had advanced heart disease. She was not killed by Nuka at all. This conclusion was reached not only by the vets at the Detroit Zoo, but they also worked with the veterinary pathologists at Michigan State University and had it reviewed and confirmed by the Animal Health External Review Panel, a group of experts in veterinary and human health that do not work directly for the zoo. It seems that Anana had either a fatal arrhythmia before or during breeding attempts. Uh, unfortunately, it was not possible to know that she had this uh, heart condition, which was called multifocal myocardial fibrosis. Nailed that in one take. Uh, because she had no clinical signs and her most recent examination had no abnormalities in her heart function. The initial hypothesis that Nuka had killed her during breeding simply came from the fact that there were wounds on Anana, uh, but... Polar bears generally hold their mates with their teeth during breeding, so uh, those wounds made a lot of sense. 
A lot of people also freaked out at the initial announcement because it was mentioned that Nuka had been moving her body around the exhibit after the fact, and they thought that he was, like, being mean or or being all villainous and, and tossing her around. Uh, when it turns out that that's not common behavior even when bears do kill each other. In, in fact, what most likely happened was his girlfriend had a heart attack and he was really upset and didn't know what to do. He didn't understand what was happening, so he was just moving her around trying to get her to be active again. It's a really sad story, but uh, it's, it's not the murder plot that so many people online tried to make it out to be. So, look, I get it. We all get emotionally attached to the animals at zoos, and y'all know that that is true for me, too. But when a tragedy happens, let's take a step back and let's remember a couple of things. First of all, they're wild animals. And even if this had been a death in a breeding situation where Nuka caused it, that happens in the wild sometimes. And, and you know, that's what these are. They are animals. Second of all, let's not jump to conclusions. We have awesome veterinary pathologists and people who can study this stuff and figure out what really happened. And medical stuff is complex, y'all. It is for humans. It is for non-human animals. And thirdly, let's just remember that uh, zookeepers live on social media too. You know, everyone has Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and all the things. When you dump your pain and frustration especially when it's misinformed pain and frustration, onto the internet, you don't know who's seeing it. And I guarantee you, no matter how upset you were, you were not nearly as upset as the staff at the Detroit Zoo or any of Anana's keepers at previous institutions. This podcast doesn't exist just to sing the praises of zoo professionals, but also to support them. So please, if you are listening to this, Consider what your social media posts might do to the underpaid, overworked, and constantly suffering from empathy fatigue workers at these institutions. Thanks. And now we move on to something a whole lot lighter. USA Today is currently doing its voting for its 10 best series. And one of those things is zoos, another thing is wildlife parks, and another one is aquariums. Stuff like this drives me a little bit crazy because it's based 100% on fan voting. But we all know that most people haven't made it to many zoos at all, and especially not to every zoo in the country. Heck, we all know that I've been to an absolute boatload of zoos, and I've only made it to eight of the top ten winners from last year. Still, I will say this, for the zoos that get nominated and then make it to the top ten, and especially for the zoo that wins every year, this is a really great publicity item, so, you know... Yay publicity for awesome zoos. So if your zoo is nominated and if your zoo is asking you to, check on social media for how to vote because then you can go vote for the zoo over other zoos that you've probably never been to. And finally, as we say goodnight to the zoo news portion of the show, I wanted to let you know that each Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, Staff at the Toronto Zoo will be reading an animal-themed bedtime story on the zoo's Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash thetorontozoo, or their YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Channel. The series is called Goodnight Zoo, and it is adorable. 
So remember, on Thursday, you can start your day with Zoo News and end it with Good Night Zoo. And now we say Good Night Zoo News and Hello Conservation News theme song. Stereotypical animal podcast theme song. Here to bring you to Conservation News. Gonna start out with a quick shout out to our friends at Penguins International. April 25th was International Penguin Day, and boy howdy did the internet light up with the flappy birds. Honestly, I can't think of the last time that I've seen something as widespread and successful in the conservation online community as International Penguin Day was this year. So uh, congrats to Penguins International, Sandcob, and all of the various zoos that partook. It's awesome to see awareness being spread so effectively. So, if you've listened to my Tuesday podcast, and if you haven't, uh, I know what you're doing after this, then you already know that Stephanie Fennessy and her husband, Dr. Julian Fennessy, are incredible. These are the two people who were the founders of the Giraffe Conservation Foundation, and uh, they're doing amazing conservation work out in Namibia and all throughout Africa. While Steph was featured on Raw Safari... Julian was featured on a slightly less popular show that a few of you may have heard of, The Ellen DeGeneres Show. This is because Ellen produced and narrated a film called Endangered, which has now been released on Discovery+. Plus. Endangered follows the work of wildlife conservationists all around the world as they attempt to compile the latest update to the IUCN Red List, in other words, the list that lets us know what's endangered, vulnerable, uh, etc. And it's really cool to have conservationists featured on mainstream shows like Ellen. Going along with the endangered film, the Ellen Fund has launched the Endangered Campaign to raise $1 million to support the seven species highlighted in the film, which include gorillas, clouded leopards, Indonesian songbirds, sharks, frogs, lemurs, and giraffes. And yes, I realize that those are not all technically at the species level, but I'm sticking with what all of the press releases say. I know that Ellen has been controversial in recent years, but I gotta say it, if a big name like Ellen and a big foundation like this is able to put up a million dollars to help fight extinction, welcome to the team, Ellen. And speaking of saving animals, which I guess is all we're talking about since this is conservation news— the Pennsylvania Game Commission, PA Department of Military and Veterans Affairs, and Hershey's Zoo America, which incidentally is an AZA-accredited zoo that is right in Hershey Park and is pretty darn cool, have released 2,400 regal fritillary caterpillars on state game lands in western Pennsylvania. The regal fritillary butterfly is an incredibly imperiled species in Pennsylvania. There's actually only one population that still exists, and they are at Fort Indiantown Gap National Guard Training Center in Lebanon. In an effort to increase the population, the various parties I mentioned before started rearing regals in 2011 and have been working on the program ever since. This release is exciting as it is the start of a second population. The plan is to continue to grow this population, but also to find additional areas in state game lands where this caterpillar can be released in order to help this butterfly species thrive in Pennsylvania again. Honestly, this kind of project really excites me, and uh, I wish that zoos would do a better job 
promoting this kind of thing because so many incredible zoos do incredible conservation work, but it's rare that you hear about it. I really, really hope that as time goes forward, uh, those stories will come to light more. And that's part of why I'm doing Rossafari Zoo News. Now, we all know that sometimes cheetahs and dogs get paired together to be friends. But did you know that you can actually pair turtles with dogs? Okay, so it's not for the same emotional support reasons or so that they have buddies to play with, but this is a really cool story out of St. Louis. The Missouri State Reptile is the three-toed box turtle, also one of my favorite animals out there. And um, for the last nine years, they have known that the population is on a massive decline, and the St. Louis Zoo has tried to help. Staff members would search the woods on foot, literally lining up in a long line and walking in a straight line trying to find as many of the hidden turtles as they could. But as you can imagine, turtles are pretty good at hiding, so this was moderately successful but not hugely successful. However, that changed this year when John Rucker came into the picture. John Rucker is a turtle dog trainer. He teaches his dogs to sniff out three-toed box turtles in the wild, pick them up in their mouth, and keep in mind, box turtles can close up their shells completely, so they are not harmed at all in this process. The dogs are very careful. And carry them back to the St. Louis Zoo staff. The dog gets a treat, and the box turtles get a non-invasive tracker put on, but also a vet check. This is especially important as there is a ronavirus that is causing havoc in the three-toed box turtle population in Missouri right now that is easily treatable with veterinary medicine. Any turtles found to have this issue are given the proper drugs and sent back into the wild to continue their lives, which is amazing because untreated, the virus has around an 80% mortality rate. The trackers are also used to understand more about how these turtles live and move during their above-ground season and then are removed by the zoo staff before brumation starts in the late fall or winter. These dogs are not only having an incredible impact on the turtle population of St. Louis, but are also very, very good puppies. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Also, on a side note, I think Turtle Dog would be an awesome name for a superhero. If any of you are artists out there and are feeling a little bit bored, send me some drawings of Turtle Dog to rossafaripod at gmail.com. And now... In other news... Congratulations to the documentary My Octopus Teacher for winning the Oscar for Best Documentary. If you haven't seen the film yet, it is the story of Craig Foster and an octopus that he befriended while diving in uh, South Africa. It's, it's basically a documentary all about their relationship over the course of an entire year. And y'all, it is really beautiful and a bit of a tearjerker, not gonna lie. Hopefully, this victory at the Academy Awards leads to even more people seeing this film, which is currently available on Netflix, because it is a beautiful film, and also because it's kind of cool to see a man hanging with a mollusk. A quick warning about this next story, it gets a little graphic. In Austin, Texas, there is a battle brooding about some chicks at Tractor Supply. Tractor Supply is a nationwide chain of feed stores and farm equipment stores that also happen to sell live animals, including chicks. 
they are currently doing a promotion called Chick Days where you can get chicks of ducks and chickens and all kinds of birds, as well as all the equipment you need to set up your own flock. They even have signs posted that say, We love these birds as if they are our own flock. We are passionate about their health and safety. To help the birds acclimate to the store, we keep them in our back room overnight before they head to their new home. For the birds' comfort, we keep our stores at a consistent temperature. We perform hourly checks on the birds to ensure they are warm and have everything they need, and we have a dedicated chick captain for every shift. If you have questions or see anything that needs attention, please let us know. Well, Austin Farm Sanctuary did just that. Austin Farm Sanctuary, which you can find at Austin Farm Sanctuary on Instagram if you would like to see some graphic evidence from this, has been posting photos and accusations that the tractor supply company Waco Distribution Center is badly abusing its chicks and even letting them die. While I cannot stress enough that at the time this is only an alleged incident and Tractor Supply has not responded to the allegations yet, they do have pictures and they are graphic and gross. Now, I have to admit that I'm always hesitant to post something like this because we all know that animal activists can and do lie about captive animals. And uh, we've all seen examples of that like blackfish. So, you know, I try to be cautious, but I did some research on Austin Farm Sanctuary and I have not seen any anti-captivity stuff from them except for this very specific and graphic uh, situation going on right now. So go into this with an open mind and and keep your eyes open for a response from Tractor Supply and all of that. But uh, this is definitely something that warrants watching right now. The sanctuary has rescued over 30 chicks from Tractor Supply in the last two months, according to their Instagram. I firmly believe that people and companies, because our government has decided that companies are people, thanks Citizens United, uh, are innocent until proven guilty. However, this allegation is something that I take very seriously, and I do think that if you are an animal lover, and if you're not, why are you listening to this podcast, then you may want to keep your eyes on this situation. For more information, including a petition to sign, check out at Austin Farm Sanctuary on Instagram. And that brings us to our animal holidays. There is one left in April, which is that April 30th is National Animal Advocacy Day. Kind of ironic, given the last story. And then that will move us to May. Month-long celebrations in May include Be Kind to Animals Month, Chip Your Pet Month, Gardening for Wildlife Month, International Respect for Chickens Month, and if you've ever been to the Bergen County Zoo, you definitely are going to respect their chickens because they are awesome, National Duckling Month, and National Pet Month. Then we get to our individual days for the week. May 1st is Save the Rhino Day and also Start Seeing Monarchs Day, which I guess is about the monarch butterfly and not about the royals in England, but hey, what do I know? May 2nd is World Tuna Day. National Specially Abled Pets Day is May 3rd. Bird Day is May 4th, also Star Wars Day. And I swear I am not making this up, but May 4th is also International Respect for Chickens Day. Gotta love it. Those are your animal holidays for the week. 
And that brings us to the end of another incredible week of Rasafari Zoo News, at least half of which was recorded while I was wearing pants. Eh, maybe a little less than half. Remember to keep tagging me in stories on Instagram and Facebook or send them directly to me at rasafaripod at gmail.com. Special thanks to Megan Barrett and Alicia Gaudet for sending me stories this week. And remember, y'all, Newsy Credits Backwards is Yeswen Steiderk. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.